You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. visit with someone and, and uh, you think you have a relationship with the person, you think that you're very close to them and how's it going and then you begin to share the things that are going on in your life and, and the person listening says, wow, man, I, you know, that's really difficult and they want to get out of the conversation as quickly as they possibly can. Those friends are called fair weather friends, but God give us friends that will be with us and continue to encourage us and do whatever they can do for us, even in those hard times. Do you ever feel like some of your friendships are rather shallow-rooted and they couldn't possibly weather a storm? Well, we don't necessarily need to cut ties with such people. It's important that we do establish some strong bonds with others. In today's message, Pastor Mike reflects on the importance of such friendships, which Scripture gives us a perfect example. In his study, you'll learn about the strong bond between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. Do you have a Jonathan or David, so to speak, in your life? Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 19, as he begins his message, The Faithfulness of a Friend. Samuel. We'll pick up where we left off last time. So in 1 Samuel chapter 19, the title is The Faithfulness of a Friend. And as we go through this chapter, I want you to think of Jesus, our friend, who in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, and we'll go to that particular verse in a little later on in our study, is described for us as a friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. That's exactly who he has become, not only as our Lord and Savior, but also as our friend. Now, as we survey the last days of David's life at Saul's court, I want to draw your attention to four things. And these four things that I'm about to mention, I'd encourage you to write them down, because I want you to consider these four things as a summary of this entire chapter. Okay, so what are those four things? Well, first of all, the results of jealousy, secondly, the importance of friends, thirdly, the value of loyalty, and then last, the need to depend entirely on the Lord and his protection. Okay, so with that said, let's begin now by reading verses 1 through 7 here in chapter 19. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan... Saul's son delighted greatly in David. And so Jonathan told David, saying, so he's warning David here, 
My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you, that is, I will tell you his response. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, remember Goliath of Gath, the champion of the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel, that is through David, you saw it and rejoiced. So why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? And so Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, so he was convinced by Jonathan's words. And Saul, notice, swore, he swore a vow, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all of these things. So Jonathan brought David back to Saul, to his court, and he was in his presence as in times past. Okay, so notice, according to our text of Scripture, Saul openly proclaims David must be put to death. Now remember, in our previous studies, in the previous chapter, there were these several secret plots that had been laid to kill David. In his twisted mind, that is in the twisted mind of Saul, he must have fabricated the reasons why David should be killed in an attempt to justify his actions before the people. I mean, how could he explain killing Israel's new hero? And we're not given any of the specific, the king's reasonings, why he sought David's life, except for the fact that he was jealous, right? We talked about that in one of our previous studies. He was actually receiving the adulation and the approval of the people that Saul uh, desperately was looking for for himself. But notice here, Jonathan, not bound by any misplaced ties of loyalty to his father Saul, warns David of this danger. And so Jonathan waited for a suitable time to intercede on David's behalf. Notice there in verses 4 and 5. And obviously he was successful and persuaded his father the king of David's integrity. Listen, Jonathan truly was a loyal friend. He was not some fair-weather friend. He was there for David not only in the good times, but also in the hard times. And God give us, you know, friends, you know, who, who will be there for us in those difficult times. You know, you visit with someone and, and uh, you think you have a relationship with the person, you think that you're very close to them, and how's it going? And then you begin to share the things that are going on in your life, and, and the person listening says, wow, man, I, you know, that's really difficult. And They want to get out of the conversation as quickly as they possibly can. Those friends are called fair-weather friends. But God give us friends that will be with us and continue to encourage us and do whatever they can do for us, even in those hard times. And so anyway, Saul promised with an oath that David would not be harmed. So he was persuaded by his son Jonathan. Notice there in verse 6. So reassured them, 
Jonathan took the good news back to David, who at this time was hiding. He was brought back to Saul and reinstated to his former position. Oh, how valuable is the help of friends. Now, contrary to what uh, some people uh, believe in many Christian circles. And why do they believe that? Well, the idea there is that we are Christians and have these unlimited resources at our disposal, and thus we do not need the help of other people. Because after all, we have God. And uh, they also believe that not to seek him alone in a crisis is actually a sin. But the problem with that assumption is, and tell me if this isn't true, God, most of the time, uses other people to help us, Christians and non-Christians alike. Isn't that true? Many times when we pray, you know, God, this is going on in my life, and God, would you please intercede on my behalf? What does God do? He raises up a friend to respond to that need, to be there for us. And then he uses that individual's uh, hands to, to help, and that person's uh, mouth to speak, to encourage you, uh, his heart to show his love to us. So many times God just uses individuals to respond to those kinds of requests. And as we know, and as we will see as we continue to move through the book of 1 Samuel, David was often helped by others. Sometimes he sought the help of others, and then at other times they just simply offered that help to him. But the truth is, friendships are important. You know, I think of someone like Paul, for example, knew this when he was alone on the mission field, facing all kinds of uh, trials. He was insecure uh, many times. Uh, He felt weak. In 1 Corinthians, for example, in chapter 2, in verse 3, he writes, he expresses it in this way, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. That is, he felt as if he was alone. But you know what? You read the list of Paul's friends, for example, in the book of Romans in chapter 16 and verses 3 through 16, who helped embolden Paul during those times of ministry. There are 25 individuals and households mentioned. You know, take some time out and and think about this. Do Do any of us even have 25 friends that we can count on? you know, that we can go to in times of uh, trouble? Well, Paul, you know, fell back on these individuals who were always there for him. You know, think about this. Jesus himself, on the night of his betrayal, took his 11 friends, I'm referring to the disciples, with him, and asked them to pray with him. It's recorded first in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 26. So what should we take away from all of this? Well, listen, be wise, be a friend maker, Surround yourself with friends. Okay, now I want to go to that portion of Scripture that speaks to this, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24. So I'm going to ask you to either turn there uh, with me, if you would, in verse 24. But let me read it for you. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So we need to give ourselves to that occupation. You can't expect to have friends unless you yourself Show yourself friendly. Now, what's involved in that whole kind of a process? What's the ingredients? Well, there's an investment of our time. You know, we're pouring our lives into another uh, person's life. There are shared experiences. 
There's mutual respect. There's an openness between one another. There is an effort. There's giving, right? And I think that's probably the most important component of making friends, that we're giving to one another. You know, I, often I hear from people, you know, Pastor Mike, I don't have any friends. I feel as if I'm all alone. And so I, I think that they should give special heed to this verse of Scripture because a friend shows himself friendly. If it's all about you, right, and uh, you're not offering anything else to anyone but yourself, it's all about you. Everything is, every time you get together with a person, how's it going? It's about this tragedy going on in my life and this need and and things aren't working out, and you're always bummed, and you know, don't expect to uh, have a bunch of friends. Show yourself friendly. How do you do that? By getting involved in each other's lives. You know, I, I think of uh, the special friends within my life and, and the things that they've contributed to you know, making my life uh, better. And then in response, you know, I, I do likewise. So we have these uh, opportunities for friendship. But then also notice there in the latter part of verse 24, and again, I'm thinking about Jesus here, but there is a friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. And I believe that, again, that's a reference to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because is there any better friend than him? So anyway, okay, let's go back to 1 Samuel, verses 8 through 17. So be wise. Again, that's what we should take away from this. Be a friend maker. Surround yourself with friends. And I've given you some of the requirements on how to go about doing that. Okay, verse 8. Verses 8 through 17 now. And there was war again. Now remember, David has already been reinstated to his position, his original position there in the court of the uh, king. And so in verse 8, and there was again, was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. So he was successful in his campaign. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his uh, hand. And remember, we talked about this in one of our previous studies. David was brought in, and uh, that was one of the reasons why he had been given a special place in the court of the king, Uh, Because of his uh, musical abilities, every time that he was uh, vexed with this evil spirit, uh, David would play his harp, he would sing his songs, and it would comfort, it would have a soothing effect. As you know, you know, singing worship songs has that same kind of an effect upon us, right? You know, like, for example, in the beginning of a service, it it prepares us, you know, to enter into the presence of God, to receive of, of his word. But more importantly, just to you know, to uh, make us more aware of the presence of God during this, this time as we honor him, right? Worship is due him, not to just prepare us to receive the word, although it does have that effect within our lives. But we worship God because worship is due his name, right? But it does have a calming and a soothing effect upon all of us, right? We make the transition from trying to get here on a Sunday morning on public transportation. You know, that can be a battle for some of us, Right? And so it's not, we don't easily make that kind of a transition. So it's important for us to begin the service through a worship because of that calming effect, that soothing effect, bringing us into the very presence of, of God. So that was the very reason why David was brought in to the court of the king uh, to provide that service uh, through his music uh, abilities. 
So verse 9, once again, Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear. This is not the first time that he tried to do this. But he slipped away from Saul's presence. We're not told exactly how that happened, but nevertheless, he, he, he was able to escape. And he drove the spear into the wall. So obviously he missed David. So David fled and escaped that night. Now Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, who, by the way, happened to be Saul's daughter, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. And so Michal led David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. So bring the bed along with him. He's sick. Okay, well, you know, just carry David in the bed and bring him to me. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away, referring to David, so that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul and said, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Okay, so obviously now this reconciliation that had taken place, remember now Jonathan had persuaded his father Saul to reinstate David. Well, that was sort of short-lived, I guess, according to this text. The reconciliation between David and the king, we don't know how long it lasted. It lasted for some amount of time. Not sure exactly how long, but notice, according to our text, when things invaded the land, and once again, David went to war and was successful in his campaign, according to verse 8. And that marked the end of any reconciliation between David and Saul. You see, David's achievements awakened the king's jealousy and envy, opening up the king to the devil's work. Notice there, let's read it again, verses 9 and 10. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall So David fled and escaped that night. Hey, listen, guys and gals, we need to guard ourselves against these emotions. What am I referring to? The emotions and envy. Remember in one of our previous studies, I think it was last week, we talked about danger. Uh, Rather, not danger, but anger. And uh, the danger that uh, may come upon any of us if we allow that emotion uh, to take control over us. These are emotions that must be dealt with. They will cause us to do things that we never thought that we would do. So we need to guard ourselves against these kinds of emotions, anger, jealousy, and envy. So Saul's suspicions, it seemed as if that night got the better of the king, and in another fit of anger, 
and rage sought to pin David to a wall with his spear. David evades the weapon, as I've already mentioned, and flees for his life. The book of Psalms, you know, uh, many of which have been written by David himself, was written out of David's own experiences. That is, his life's experiences. And the 59th Psalm is attributed to this particular uh, situation, this particular experience that David was going through when Saul sought to kill him, to take his life from him. So it was written out of this experience. So verses 1 through 5, the 59th Psalm. And we're going to come back to this at the conclusion of the message and and, uh, cover another couple of verses here. But I just wanted to begin by reading the first five verses. Again, out of David's own experience, Saul trying to take his life from him. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. Can any of you, by the way, relate to this? I don't know if any of you, you, know, any of you have experienced to this degree. Uh, they're bringing false accusations against you, whatever. They're trying to paint you in a very dim light, maybe at your place of employment. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a part of life's experience for many of us. He goes on, for look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me. Those who are in positions where they can do those kinds of things. Not for my transgressions, nor for my sin, O Lord. In other words, he was innocent. They run and prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake now, he cries out to God for help. Awake to help me. And behold, you therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors. And so David, according to our text, now let's go back to our text, he went home to his wife, Michal, Saul's daughter. She too uh, shows her loyalty to David. Remember, that's one of the points that I wanted to emphasize, the loyalty of our friends. She becomes aware of the soldiers who have just now been sent by Saul, who are now to kill him. They've now surrounded their home. She thinks only of her husband's safety. And quickly, go back to verse 11, the latter part of that. And she counsels her husband and says, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So warning him. And then drawing on her ingenuity, Michal let David down through a window. Uh, They probably lived in a house that was built in the city wall. That was pretty common back then. And David made his escape without risking detection. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my The book of 1 Samuel details how the nation of Israel transitioned from the era of having judges to a time period where they demanded to have a king rule over them. The pages that then followed include the rise and fall of King Saul, as well as introducing a person in the Bible that becomes one of the greatest men of faith, David. 1 Samuel's book of action and adventure 
but also a reminder of God's swift consequences or judgment when people fall away from Him. So often you might wonder how a passage relates to you today, but there's always something to apply from God's Word, and this book is no exception. Take the life lessons in this book and keep them in mind as you're faced with decisions to make and directions to go. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us. You can join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more from 1 Samuel right here on In My Father's House. Oh